1: Welcome to Wine Soundtrack Australia. Listen to the passion with which producers narrate their winery and their world.
2: In thirty answers, discover their stories, personalities, and passions. Hello, friends and listeners of Wine Soundtrack. My name is Priscilla Henningham. I'm here with Kirsten Harvey from Paisley Wines.
3: How are you today? I'm oh, very well, thank you. <laughs> so, tell us where you're located. Um, so we are located in Angaston, which is part of the beautiful Barossa Valley and we're just looking outside the window right now, we've got lots of cloud cover but it's still quite warm because we're just at the very end of the harvest season here in the Barossa. <laughs> Sounds good, but you're very close to the Eating Valley as well, yeah? That's right, our vineyard actually falls over the line that considers Eden Valley. So Eden Valley is slightly different from Barossa Valley as we're slightly cooler up here. Um, our vineyard sits at about 440 metres above sea level, whereas the Barossa floor, which is obviously very well known for much warmer climate red wines, um, is more like 220 metres. So we're definitely a bit cooler up here.
2: So what does that bring to
3: your wines? What's the difference to being in high altitude in a Barossa? I guess the main difference in Eden Valley is that we have slightly more peppery characters, we can often get more herbal notes, um, the wines often look a little bit softer, and even in appearance they can be slightly lighter in colour.
2: Cool, and uh, you're a very small winery, tell us, how many hectares do you have here?
3: Um, I think it's about six hectares, sorry. Here in Australia we work on acres, so um, we've got about just over 15 acres, um, so mostly Shiraz, and um, that Shiraz is over 20 years old, and we've actually planted some Fiano and Mataro more recently in the last couple of years. Wow, Fiano, tell us a little bit about Fiano. So Fiano is an Italian grape varietal and it is just the most perfect variety to grow in Australia because it comes from Avellino which is close to Naples and it is a variety that is very suited to Australian conditions. Um, As a white varietal it seems to have a little bit more resilience to summer heat and so that makes it a perfect variety. Um, It's very fruit forward, Um, our Fiano here it tastes like apricots and stone fruit, lots of peaches, it's delicious. Well, wow. how many varieties do you grow here? So here on our property we have three varieties. So we have Mataro, Fiano and Shiraz. But in our range we actually also have Grenache and we have a GSM. Grenache GSM is quite well known blend here. Yeah, so Grenache is a very slow ripening variety and it works very well in Brossa Valley where we get lovely long hot summers Um, and I guess we're looking for that sort of earthy flavour, we're looking for those spicy notes and certainly Derek and I when we make our Grenache we're looking for very food friendly wines and Grenache is just the perfect variety for food friendly. Yeah, and a GSM? Yes, yeah, so that also works very well with food. Um, I guess the, the, the wonderful thing about a GSM is that you're putting together Shiraz, Grenache, Matari in a different combination to try and make those three varieties better than they would be on their own. And again, GSM lends itself really well to food. I always talk to my customers about, you know, having it with pizza, pasta, you know, meats on the barbecue, those sorts of smoky meats, they work really well with GSMs.
2: Yes, so true, delicious. So tell us, how much do you sell
3: your ones here in Australia and how much you export? So we're almost always in Australia um, at the moment, so hopefully that will change, but we're really lucky to have sent some wine to South Korea and a little bit of wine to China. Um, One of the things we would love to try and pursue in the future would be the UK market, um, because obviously Paisley um, is a little town just outside of Glasgow in Scotland, and it's where my great great grandfather came from, and we'd love to be able to put our wine over there because obviously it's got a nice little story that works into the UK market, but otherwise people can find Find our wine all around Australia.
2: Yeah, so nice stories about the name Paisley. So that was my next question. So why did you choose that name?
3: So um, my great grandfather came over in 1839. So Adelaide itself was actually only settled in 1836. So four years into settlement here in South Australia, he came over with his family. Um, now he didn't come over anything to do with wine. It was all about farming back in those days. But we just loved the idea of the name. Um, and uh, for the history. People who are interested, um, the actual pattern Paisley um, was so famous from coming from their textile mills in the town of Paisley that it actually gave the pattern the name. And so we have a lot of that pattern all over our brand.
2: Good. So, do you believe in perfect variety for you? Like, you, do you have any passion for a specific variety you want to see in the future in your vineyards?
3: Um, if I was here, if my husband was here, he's the winemaker, Derek. Um, he would tell you that he doesn't have a favorite. He just loves all varieties. Um, I have to, I have to stop, I, I have to stop his passion because he would like make everything under the sun if I let him. Um, but I guess you know, for Barossa, it's really important to have fantastic Shiraz, and so that's a real focus for us. Um, in 2019, we're super lucky that we've actually made one called the Kelpie, and it's 100% from our own vineyard here in Angaston. So it's an Eden Valley single vineyard wine. And I guess we want to really focus on that Eden Valley fruit. We want to be able to show Barossa Valley fruit and just show how different it can be, but how amazing. Would you like to share with us that your are passionate about wine, how we started? Um, well, I started liking wine when my mum and dad used to drink it, I guess, and it's really funny because Derek, my husband, um, we met in London, we were backpacking, um, so he was a chemical engineer and he drank beer, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't drink beer, so I drank wine and I think he was trying to be cool, so he started drinking wine with me, and I'm not sure when he decided, but one moment he just thought it would be a great idea to do winemaking instead of chemical engineering, much more creative and much more fun. So he. Actually Actually, when we came back to Australia did the one-year course, the oenology course, so he's been a winemaker for over 20 years now and working for other people but now finally for ourselves and I guess we just love making it and I kept telling him we should make some wine for ourselves and we now have this beautiful property so we're very lucky. Wow
2: so you were the influencer then?
3: I like to think <laughs> that I'm the main influence. <laughs> I'm certainly the major taste tester. <laughs> so you're happy with the blends and then something? Yeah, of course, Um, yeah I was super excited when Derek said last year in 2020 we should add Riesling to the range because Riesling is my favourite varietal Um, and so while we don't have any planted here we get some amazing fruit from nearby Um, but now that here in Australia it's going into the winter months you know we're going to start pulling out a lot more of the reds and Derek's a big red drinker so. (laughs) Are you in the social
2: media stuff? Do you have any favourite social media between Facebook, Instagram?
3: or LinkedIn? Um, I'm not very good with social media, I must admit. So I feel more comfortable with Facebook because I get to write some little comments. Um, Yesterday, my husband and I did a little bit of filming, so there's a few photos of him floating around with um, very purple hands, Um, but I'm not not a great social media person like you. (laughs) Uh, So do you have a seller? Um, so we actually don't have a cellar door yet, but it's future plans, but certainly we have tastings here in my kitchen and we're sitting in my kitchen right now. Um, and you can see beautiful views of the vineyards from our, from our kitchen. Um, um, ideally we would, um, we'd love to put some, we've got that little vineyard um, with a little tiny paddock. At the moment we've got sheep out there, but one day we might move the sheep to the side and have a cellar door. So ideally that would be our plan it's
2: beautiful here by the way guys it's very nice in the views of the vineyards Um, do you do you um, do you have a cellar for aging your wines do you like it you have any expensive bottle in your cellar
3: Um, actually we do Uh, we do have a very big green shed which at the moment is full of barrels and also full of some really interesting wines Um, yeah we were lucky that we were able to purchase some wines um, that we can have a bit of cellaring time for so um, they do come out for very special occasions So Australia or overseas? Um, A lot of those are overseas wines, yeah. So it's, uh, I guess Derek's very passionate about wine. It doesn't matter where it comes from. (laughs) He wants to try everything and anything. So yeah, we have quite a few wines from France. And you know, we love uh, Italian and Spanish varietals, again, because they're so suited, similar to Australian climate. So, um, and they're, they're so food friendly.
2: So question, just imagine someone drinking a wine a famous person, a VIP person overseas, or maybe here in Australia, and then um, so many magazines coming, take a picture, putting that famous magazine in the world, so who who would you like to see drinking Paisley wines in that magazine?
3: Oh my goodness, gosh, <laughs> wow, that's such a really hard question. I'm not a big celebrity buff. Um... <laughs> Oh my goodness, I guess someone pommy, I guess someone English, I guess, with a bottle of Paisley would make sense. Um, oh, what's that guy that plays James Bond? What's his <laughs> name? Um, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm not very good with that question. <laughs> That's so good. And, and someone from England. <laughs> um, so, tell us each vintage is a different story or not? Um, I guess because we are really small, we make about 25 tonne in total. Um, Yes, every year is going to be a little bit different. And I guess that's one of the beautiful things about buying wines from small producers is that you do get lots of different um, climatic conditions from each year. So you do get your wines looking a little bit different. Um, I guess when you're buying from a very big wine company that can, you know, make wines to a very similar style, it's, it's very safe choice but when you buy from a small producer you perhaps get a little bit more interest Um, it's a little bit more exciting to see what that vintage actually has produced and how the wines can um, alter so for instance 2019 was really really hot here in the Barossa all effectively everywhere in South Australia. And it was very, very dry. And we found our fruit got very, very concentrated and relatively high alcohols very quickly. Like within two weeks, the mace, um really jumped dramatically. Whereas we found with the 2020s, even though it was again, quite dry, the wine, it wasn't quite consistently as hot. So the wines are a little bit finer um, and perhaps a little bit more elegant. and They're not quite as intense as that 19s. And so I guess that's the nice thing about a small company you will get that variation.
2: So the fires is quite a, something has happened here in Australia very often. So do you do anything in your vineyards to, to
3: avoid something like that happen? It's really not much you can do. Um, vineyards themselves actually are relatively fireproof, um, but obviously, you know, we've had some very bad fires recently in the hills, um, and the fact that there's just so much heat on that day has meant that some vineyards were damaged, um, and that's really tragic for those who lost fruit or lost vines, lost their properties. Um, I guess here we, um, our policy is that we would leave if we were told. Um, we certainly would have all of our water systems systems on, we would keep everything relatively cool, but, you know, South Australia, it is a very dry state in summer and, you know, bushfires are a significant risk. Um, Certainly we've been very lucky here um, on our vineyard and certainly in the Barossa to have avoided smoke taint um, because smoke taint isn't a growing issue um, here in Australia, Um, but we haven't had that experience for ourselves at this stage, so fingers crossed into the future, that won't be a problem for us.
2: Yeah. So far it was a lady years and the last bushfires we have in Nombarossa, so that's, that's very good news. Yes. <laughs> um, so tell us, where, when you were very little and you and your
3: husband, that's the winemaker, what did you both want to be when you grow up? Oh gosh, um, I think I probably wanted to be an explorer or something <laughs> dramatically exciting, or maybe a nurse or a teacher, but um, I guess in a way I'm sort of a teacher, I like to think when I'm doing tastings that I'm you know, providing an education forum, you know, it's fine just to taste the wines, but it's, I find like if I can give the people you know, some interesting facts about the Barossa and help them learn a little bit more, it gives them greater appreciation and hopefully they'll want to buy more of my wine in the future. That's good.
2: So you're doing a lot of your wine education as well, people come here in the center door and you're, you're talking about, about your wines?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was really lucky to do um, a Barossa School education process myself recently. Um, so even though I thought I knew quite a bit, I actually learnt quite a lot um, about the different regions and about the soil types in the different parts of the Barossa and going into Eden Valley. Um, we certainly have very shallow soils here. It can be quite rocky in Eden Valley, so we actually get a minerality in some of our wines that you often don't find in the Barossa Valley. Um, so all All of those little interesting facts I find help I guess educate customers, Um, it gets people to appreciate Barossa wine more, um, it gets people to appreciate our wine more and everyone who buys Australian wine it's fantastic so it's all a (laughs) win-win. And Barossa Valley
2: is quite well known in the world. So tell us do you have any preference between white, red or sparkling if you drink something tonight what do you choose?
3: Probably um, it would be Riesling, being my favourite varietal. Although I always jokingly say to my friends, if I could afford to drink champagne every day, that would be what I would drink. (laughs) Champagne is quite expensive, yeah. Riesling is more affordable.
2: So what do you think about these ideas of people say like heavy chapitre, white wine with fish and red wine with fish? red wine with like, red wine so do you have that the same idea or you think
3: outside of these rules? Look I think if you don't drink red wine you still want a piece of red meat Or well, drink white wine with it <laughs> there's no strict rules um, I feel like it's it, it, it okay there are perfect matches there are wines that really suit certain dishes like I think Grenache works very well with roast lamb But, you know, if you don't eat lamb, you still like Grenache, well, drink it and eat it with something else. There's no strict rules. I guess, um, you know, what works for you, it's your personal palate. Every single person has different taste buds. We all appreciate food in different ways. We all have likes and dislikes. Um, So I guess, you know, you can use those things as a guide. You know, you can use that you might drink Riesling with um, seafood, that you maybe you want to have it with a chicken dish. But, you know, if I... I'm having steak and I feel like raising well that's what I'm gonna have that <laughs> night
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's good Very <laughs> great ingredients so how many glasses of bottles of wine are needed to get you drunk Tell us the truth.
3: <laughs> Uh, look, I've had a, a, a little girl now, so um, she's now 11, um, so ever since I had her I do drink less. Um, so i probably say by my third glass I um, might be a little bit tipsy. I try not to um, actually drink wine before I start cooking dinner because it all goes horribly wrong. I've found that when I do that I end up missing ingredients um, and I get to the end and I'm like oops, that was supposed to go in about half an hour ago, oh well I'll just put it in now, it'll be fine. <laughs> And then when you get drunk, so what do you do in the next day for Recover, the hungover? Oh, gosh, I haven't really got myself very drunk for a long time because it's it's not pretty. Um, I generally just feel sorry for myself and have Panadol. Um, I think when you've got kids, you can't afford to feel really hungover the next day because they're up in the morning and they want to do stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that generally I'm more sensible um, these days than I probably was back in the day.
2: <laughs> so... You're not working, I know working all the time for you because you have so many things going on in your life. Uh, it's a business and life and house and daughter, it's pretty much a lot of events. Um, but when you're not working, what do you do? What do you like to do for enjoy life?
3: I love writing. I Um, that's probably my biggest thing and my husband will complain that I read way too much if I I have the opportunity. Um, Sadly travel is you know a bit of a pickle for us all at the moment Um, but we certainly have been really lucky to go to Kangaroo Island, um, to Port Lincoln, we've been going down to Robe in a couple of weeks so we're doing lots of travel around South Australia as well as Australia. We're heading up to Darwin later this year so I guess we've spent a lot of time traveling in our backyard. Um, here in Australia Um, and fingers crossed overseas here we come next year that's my plan. (laughs) Do you have any good like any sport you like that you practice
2: or would like you to do in the future when you have time?
3: (laughs) Uh, Yeah no I'm not a very sporty person. (laughs) Um, I don't mind watching sport (laughs) and watching sport with a glass of wine in hand is even better I think.
2: (laughs) So, do, um, do you have any favourite
3: singer? Oh, favourite singer. Um, oh, look, my favourite band probably at the moment would be of Monsters and Men. Um, they're an Icelandic band. Um, I don't know. I like just some indie music. Or in the background, I like lots of chill out music. Um, I know we're going to go and see the Avalanches soon. So, that's exciting. They're coming for um, to Adelaide soon. So, um, yeah, it's just... It's just good music, I guess, and good background music, so I've always got some stuff in the house.
2: it's good. So, do you still remember where did you go on your first date with your husband? And if you drink some wine, which wine did you drink? Oh, he liked beer, yeah. So how did you convince him to drink wine?
3: (laughs) Um, Well, I remember our first date, actually, because we met at, um, now this is going back in the day, and anyone who used to live in the UK in the 90s would remember a thing called the church. And it was a day-night club on a Sunday, so it was like a recovery venue. And I never was a really big drinker back in the day, but I got dragged along with some people that I was working with. And that's where I met Derek that day. And um, I found the whole thing a bit too claustrophobic and crazy. So um, Derek and a friend of his, Paul, he's from New Zealand, um, the three of us ended up at a pub and we just watched the um, Australian play uh, New Zealand in the rugby at the pub. And I think they probably drank beer and I probably drank wine. Um, and it was some little pub in near King's Cross in London. And that was our first spot. <laughs> Let me guess, what's recently. Uh, oh, you know what? It possibly wasn't back in those <laughs> days. It might have been Savinia Block. It's probably a lot like, easier to get in a pub in London back then, so yeah, probably savvy. <laughs> so, um, complete the sentence. A day without wine is like? Uh, a day without reading. It would be very depressing, <laughs> really, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so two
2: thousand and twenty one is the most done, but do you have any good like a ritual for when the harvest is about to start? Do you have anything you you do before the harvest? you pray to the God and say, "God, please give me a good harvest." <laughs>
3: Um, No, but we always try and have a holiday Um, (laughs) because I usually don't see my husband much for about three months. It gets pretty crazy during vintage. Um, This year has been really crazy because we've been getting a lot more fruit off a lot of vineyards um, than normal. So yeah, there's been a lot of hours this year. And so we always try and have a little holiday at Christmas time here in Australia, it's So we go away and kind of have a bit of chill out family time um, together and then, you know, then I can let him go and okay bye, I'll see you in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, your ones in 2021. Um, well, look, there's still a lot of ferments happening at the moment, and Derek sort of says to me, like, I don't really want to judge them until they finish fermenting, but he gave me a taste of the front block here, we call it the road block, and oh my goodness, I was so excited, I tasted it yesterday, it is looking beautiful. It's still, um, got a couple of grams of sugar, so we're still trying to get it to be dry, but... It's fantastic, and the colour is beautiful. So 2021, I think everyone is very happy with the colour coming out, even from other winemakers that I've spoken to. Um, and he also said that he thinks that Riesling is even better than last year, so happy days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good news for 2021. And what do you think about the future? What do you
3: think about the people will have been drinking in the future in, in 2300? Oh gosh, look I think wine is universal. I I can't imagine us not having wine um, in a hundred years or more. Um, I feel like some of the varietals will change because I think global um, climate change will affect some varietals. It certainly will affect areas. One of the biggest risks here in the Brossa Valley is water security um, and so at the moment um, our local associations are working really hard with government to try and secure water for ongoing growth and part of the reason Derek and I bought the property in Eden Valley is that it's actually two degrees cooler during the day and can be five to seven degrees cooler at night and it actually gives us we think a little bit of protection against increasing temperatures. We feel like a lot of the varietals that are doing really well down in the Brossa Valley may actually start to struggle um, as things get warmer so I feel like we'll always have wine, it's just that what we're drinking may change a little bit um, or where some of these varieties are planted may change over time too.
2: Yeah that's true, They're warmer cl- the, the conditions um, of the climate have been changing quite a bit and warmer climate like Barossa will probably be uh, affected by very hard mm,
3: yeah it's, it is it is vulnerable um and also bushfires all of those things um uh, can change the climate can change the um The outlook of what people want to do. Um, But you know, we've got some cool climate areas in Australia. We've got the Adelaide Hills, we've got Eden Valley, we've got, you know, areas like Geelong and so on. So we've got some cooler climate areas that, you know, may end up with some varietals that they can't grow at the moment, but may be able to do so in the future. So I think that, yeah, wine will always be loved. I can't imagine it was loved, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago and I'm sure it will be loved hundreds and hundreds of years into the future. So do you believe if people drink in more quality or quantity? Oh look, where's your budget? (laughs) You know, how much money have you got? If you've got fifteen bucks, well then you're gonna buy nice, say, fifteen dollar wine. Um I guess as you have more money, you you certainly look for quality. I think that you probably can afford a little bit more. Um, You might also be willing to try some varieties that you maybe haven't been interested to try in the past. Um, I guess it's just an education thing, it's a feeling comfortable with what you're tasting but you know I tell customers that come and visit me like if you've only got $20 to spend then you buy something that you really like at that price point and you can get some good quality, you probably have to look around a little bit more but there's nothing to say you can't for that price Um, and then you know maybe you drink less but you drink better yeah that's true and
2: I guess for me and Lisa I can see that people drinking less and they're drinking better like now compared to what it was before
3: Oh, absolutely! Um, yeah, there's some pretty amazing wine, especially when you've got such premium wine regions like the Barossa. Um, you know, we produce high quality every year, and it makes such a difference. Um, and if you can't afford that, then you you look for an alternate. And there's, you know, Australia produces some amazing wine. It doesn't matter which region you come from, you can get something pretty awesome. Yeah, that's so true. So tell us, um, you
2: you told me you love to travel around the world. We know the situation is not. Good for travel some, so much, but if you, you have the opportunity to go somewhere around the world to
3: learn more about wine, so do you have any region you'd like to explore? Um, yeah, actually we've talked about going to Poland and then coming back in through Germany so we would really like to spend some time you know, driving in the Rhine all the um, Rhone areas, tasting some different German wines particularly Riesling of course <laughs> um, Last in 2019 we were super lucky that we went to Italy um, and the year before we'd been to Spain and a couple of years before that we'd been to parts of France, um, been to the Loire, been to Bordeaux, been to Burgundy so we've been, yeah champagne, of course champagne, we've um, been <laughs> Very privileged to be able to try some amazing wines. I guess one place we have never been to um, that is on our bucket list for future is um, to go to South America and to go and try some wines in Chile and Argentina, so that's um, and maybe Brazil um, in the future. So that's certainly something that we want to do, but yeah, Covid's obviously made a little bit of an issue for us at the moment, anyway. (laughs) For everyone, so
2: let's start. A game, let's play a game, right? Sure, okay. (laughs) I'm feeling scared, but okay. (laughs) It's very easy. So I will tell you the names of the famous people and then you need to tell me which grape variety actually matching with that famous people and why.
3: Oh my goodness, okay. Let's hope I know those famous people, (laughs) otherwise we're going to be in trouble. (laughs) Oh, if you, you know, started with some very famous singer, Beyoncé. Beyoncé. Um, oh, like she'd have to be champagne, wouldn't she? Like, she's very sparkly. Surely champagne would be the one I'd pick for her. Yep. I can imagine Beyoncé for like, a nice bottle of champagne. <laughs> yeah, some um, crystal or something pretty would be perfect, I think. <laughs> and if you think about Madonna. Um, Oh, look, Madonna's a workhorse, but she's incredibly talented, so I guess I'd probably put her with something like Chardonnay. Like, it's a wine that you can um, throw a lot at, you can do a lot. It ages incredibly gracefully. Um, It tastes amazing, has lots of different flavours. It has, yeah, I mean, she's invented herself over so many times and has so many different types of music. I think, yeah, Chardonnay would be. Yeah, and I
2: think the Chardonnay have so many different types of Chardonnay. It's pretty much seems like the right answer. <laughs> so, TV celebrities, if
3: it Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, um, I don't know, good question. Brad Pitt, maybe Cabernet. So Cabernet having um, a little bit of greenness sometimes. So, you know, he's still young, youthful, um, but ages incredibly gracefully again. Uh, he looks pretty good for his age. I'm sure he's had a bit of work. <laughs> 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 but, uh, he looks pretty good for me yeah, yeah I mean the Cabernet is um it, it works with you know lots of different <laughs> types of food it's incredibly elegant um it has lovely structure so yeah let's go let's go with him and Cabernet <laughs> yeah and Angelina Jolie. um oh look I guess I'd be thinking of her maybe Pinot something you know um a bit gamey, something a bit interesting. It's got um, some wild characters to it. Um, it's um, so It ages, again, very gracefully, um, but it can be drunk young. It um, has lightness and colour, so, um, you know, has that, I guess, perkiness to it. Yeah. yeah maybe. And this shoe's very elegant. The
2: Pinot is very elegant.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's, um, yeah, a delicious wine. Just sadly, <laughs> not something we can grow here in the Brossa <laughs> as much because uh, it's a little bit too warm here. <laughs> So, if we are talking about Donald Trump. Oh, gosh. Oh. Yeah. Mm, not a fan. Um, what do I like the least? Um, yeah, something in cardboard, I think, would probably be what I would call it. <laughs> Nothing of quality. I'm sorry. Good <laughs> uh, answer. And if you have it, Nelson Mandela. Um, wow. Okay, that's a two very distinct personalities. Um, I'd have to go with Shiraz. So Shiraz has um, multiple flavors. It it grows in different regions and it has incredible difference. It it grows incredibly quickly um, and ripens up super fast. It is by far the most famous varietal for Australia. Um, And I think around the world it's loved and appreciated. So I think, yeah, Shiraz would work for him. Good, and then Bill Gates. Bill Gates, oh goodness me, um, a thinking person. What do you put with a thinking person? Maybe something like a semion. Semion, especially age semion. So something from like the Hunter Valley, which um, you know you can put in the cellar. It's got lots of acidity to hold it together when it's young. You don't drink it for like 10 or six, 10, 10 plus years and then you pull it open and you like appreciate just how amazing it is over time. And maybe that's Bill and his um, computer programming and his skills that we, we all appreciate them so much now. <laughs> (laughs) It the whole population.
2: Thank you very much for for that interview. Would you like to remind us um, how to reach you here and your property and your website address?
3: Yes, yeah, so the website is paisleywines.com.au and we're on socials, so that is Paisley Wines Barossa. Um, we're on Facebook and Insta, so you can follow me and see some of the photos. I'm not as good as some people at putting lots of photos, so they do happen occasionally, um, but uh, a bit of fun. And, of course, as I said, we're in Anguston in the beautiful Barossa Valley, so when your um, listeners can come and visit us here in Australia again or can come over to Barossa, um, they should definitely give me a call. Um, We're open by appointment at the moment. So if you give me a call, um, we'd love to have you up here.
2: Thank you so much for that, Definitely, guys, I'm going out to taste some wines.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've got a few to taste.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening to a new episode of Wine Soundtrack Australia. For details and updates, visit our website, winesoundtrack.com.